word is our way of truth and life. Create in us hearts that are clean and put your Holy Spirit within us so that we may receive your grace and declare your praise forever. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading tonight is from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 17. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put anew my right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. We live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. Thanks be to God.
This prayer of the day is an old prayer. That's one of my favorites. Almighty God, you despise nothing you have made. And you forgive the sins of all who trust in you. Create in us new and contrite hearts that truly repenting of our sins and acknowledging our brokenness, we may receive from you, the God of all mercy, full pardon and forgiveness. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. This morning, when I saw Sarah for the first time today, I wished her a happy Valentine's Day. And she smiled back and said, and a sad Ash Wednesday to you. (laughs) I loved that. What a wonderful combination this is this Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day, a day to celebrate the gift of love and a day to remember our mortality. They seem like opposites. I think they fit perfectly together. Ash Wednesday is often one of my favorite holidays of the year. And I think it's because I often, every year, look at it a little differently. It's just this year, it's more obvious with the combination of this and Valentine's Day. So here's uh, one. Brian, can you show the, the first slide here that I go? <laughs> Remember you are dust. Which is what traditionally is said when the ashes are placed on your forehead. Remember, you are dust. You can't spell Valentine without Lent, which I had never known that until this year, but it's true. Lent's right in the middle. All right, let's see the next one. (laughs) We're all going to die. Happy Valentine's Day. Perfect. <laughs> and the next one shows why we need to remember to use spell check and have editors in our lives. <laughs> that, was the, that was the cover of a Ash Wednesday bulletin a few years back. Grammar matters, doesn't it? <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Remember that you are dust. What if this isn't bad news? What if this is good news? Now, we just read Psalm 51 together, and it's my third or fourth Ash Wednesday here. Uh, All of the liturgies for Ash Wednesday insist you read Psalm 51, and I have resisted it until this year. I thought, all right, we'll do it this year, and then I'll just kind of undo it in my message. Um. Psalm 51 is a beautiful passage, and I love it. Um, But the truth is, I don't think it really fits on Ash Wednesday. Psalm 51 is all about sin and 
this honest confession of sin. And that is a beautiful, valuable practice in our lives. It's why we do it every week in worship, to have a chance to honestly admit our faults. And I often like to think when I come to our prayers of confession, it's our faults. It's not just that I did this this week, but we did, collectively. Our species falls short, week in and week out. We sin. If you caught the news today, you saw that on display in Kansas City. And it's far worse usually than we think it is, our situation. It's often far worse than we're prepared to admit. And so having a good and honest confession is a healthy and wonderful thing. But I don't think that's really what Ash Wednesday is about. Ash Wednesday is about the limited nature of our lives. The limited, finite span of our lives that we are constantly denying and forgetting. Which is why we're told, remember. Remember that you are dust. And dust and ashes in the Hebrew scriptures are... A very important symbol. The, the first time they come up is, of course, in the creation story itself. That the first human being is made from the dust of the earth. And God takes this dust, forms this human being, this earthling, and then breathes life into humanity. Animating dust with spirit. And then, of course, it's been this wonderful discovery since that time from astronomers that we are quite literally made of stardust. So it's not just Hebrew poetry. It's, it's literal that we are connected to the earth, as Genesis says. We are made of the earth, part of the earth, or return to the earth. But we are also connected to the entire cosmos, they're interconnected beings. So the first reference is there in Genesis 2, the creation story. And then the second reference comes right on its heels in Genesis 3. That after the man and woman eat of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, God tells Adam, by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for you are dust. And to dust you will return. We come from the ground. And we return to the ground. And our life here is not infinite. It has limits. And living within those limits is not a curse. It's not an unfortunate reality. It's the blessing of being a human being. In fact, the temptation in the garden, as I read it, is a temptation to live without limits. Well, God's placed a limit on your life. You don't need to abide by any limits. In fact, the serpent tells Eve, you can be like God's. And that was the aspiration. We don't need limits. And God comes and says, reminds him, no, you do need limits. To live within those limits is a gift and a blessing what makes us human. If any of you saw that comedy series from a few years ago, The Good Place, you get to watch this series? 
you haven't, it's, it's a wonderful show. I highly recommend it. That is the message of the whole show, is that our lives have meaning precisely because they are limited. It's the finitude that gives our life such meaning and preciousness. A few years ago, I had an app on my phone. I've since deleted it. But the app is called We Croak. It's it's got a, a frog on it, a little icon. And when We Croak is on your phone, the gift that it gives to you is that at random times of the day, three or four times of the day, you get a notification on your device that says, remember, you're going to die. I loved it. (laughs) Because it's this wonderful wake-up call. Multiple times a day. You sure you want to be playing that video game on your your phone? Is this what you want to be doing with your time? (laughs) Are you living your life, or is your life passing you by? Don't forget you're going to die. What if that's not bad news or grim news, but this much-needed reminder that our time here is limited and therefore incredibly precious? Sarah Condon wrote about this convergence of Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday today, saying, This year, Valentine's Day happens to fall on Ash Wednesday, a day when we are reminded of the brevity of life. But it is not a call to live life to the fullest. It is a reminder that God gave us one another to love for this short time that we've been given. There is relief in this holy reckoning of our finite nature. It frees us up to love a little bit more, to take ourselves a little less seriously, which feels like an antidote to the grievous demands that the world shoves our way. Ash Wednesday is also our reminder that death does not have the final word. God does. Sarah Miles is a author and food activist in San Francisco. I've got a short video I'd like you to watch of her on her reflections about Ash Wednesday, and you'll pardon her colorful language. say, you know, with this whole um, experience of offering ashes on the street in Ash Wednesday, which I've been doing now for four years, uh, the thing that always wrecks me is giving ashes to babies. You know, like some mom will hold up her kid who's 
couple of weeks or a couple of months old. And I have to take this baby and put a cross on its head and tell it that it's going to die. Uh, it just wrecks me, you know. Um, it's funny, the last year I realized that that cross of ash was so much like the cross you get on your head when you're baptized. Um, and it really made me remember my own baptism because I was just scared shitless. I was like, I don't want to do this. This is not my idea. I felt like I had to do it and I was being pulled toward it. But I was also like, whoa, that water is dark. I don't go down in there. I don't want to die. Um, and it wasn't, um, you know, there's something beyond the death that we proclaim on Ash Wednesday. And there's something beyond the death that we enact when we do baptism. Um, and I can't tell you where that lives, but I can tell you that uh, I feel it. You said like, the fact that you're going to die is getting Like, really? Awesome. Well, you know, there aren't a lot of places in the world where you go and you hear the truth, right? And I think one of the reasons why people literally run after me on the street on Ash Wednesday saying, wait, 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 can I have some of those? Wait a minute, my mom's in the car, she wants some, wait a minute, hold on, I want to give you my baby so you can give them ashes. It's partly because when do you get to touch a stranger and tell them the truth? or hear the truth, or speak the truth, is just so rare in our culture. What we hear is, you know, if you buy this, you won't die. Are you, you saying we won't get out of here alive? <laughs> you know, we, we, we keep trying to, you know, sell this idea that we're immortal and that we're in charge of our lives and that we can manage all these outcomes, but we can't. People know that. And it's sort of a relief, finally. You know, my friend who's a chaplain at the hospital, works in uh, pediatrics, works with a lot of dying kids. And he said, man, on Ash Wednesday, like, even the doctors are relieved that they're not in charge. Like, they're just another person with some dirt on their head. Right? They're not immortal. They're not gods. Um, you know, so I think we fight all the time against this fantasy that we want to be gods and in charge. And then this, there's this incredible, sweet, deep relief and you realize I'm not in charge. Um, God's in charge. That's good news. Um.